0: The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled Fulfilling Unmet Treatment Needs for Patients with IgE-Mediated Food Allergies and Animated Exploration of Emerging Targeted Therapy. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash KHE860. Downloadable resources are also available.
1: Hello, this is Dr. Sharon Chintraja from the Sean N. Parker Center for Allergy and Asthma Research at Stanford University. Welcome to this educational activity on the management of IgE-mediated food allergies. First, we'll talk about the limitations of current approaches to treating IgE-mediated food allergies. Food allergies are a growing public health issue. They affect up to 8% of young children and almost 11% of adults in the U.S. alone. 40 to 60% of food allergic individuals are estimated to have multiple food allergies. Food induced emergency room visits have increased 214% from 2005 to 2014. Food allergy causes significant impairment in quality of life and may cause nutritional deficiencies. 90% of food allergic reactions in the US are due to nine culprit foods. These include milk, egg, wheat, soybeans, peanuts, tree nuts fish, shellfish, and sesame. Many patients can suffer from food-related disorders. These can be broken down into immune-mediated reactions versus food intolerances, which are non-immune-mediated reactions. Food intolerances can include abdominal pain following milk ingestion due to lactose intolerance or headaches from caffeine. Of the immune-mediated reactions, IgE-mediated food allergies are the most life-threatening types of reactions. Mixed IgE and non-IgE reactions include diseases such as atopic dermatitis and eosinophilic gastrointestinal disorders, which includes eosinophilic esophagitis. T-cell-mediated reactions include contact dermatitis. We will spend more time reviewing IgE-mediated food allergy. Clinical manifestations of IgE-mediated food allergy can range from mild symptoms to severe symptoms, include many organ systems, and lead to anaphylaxis. Typically, allergic reactions following ingestion of the culprit food occurs within 30 minutes to 2 hours following ingestion of the food. These can include skin findings of erythema, pruritus, or urticaria, upper airway signs of allergic conjunctivitis, sneezing, or sniffling, and concerning signs from the lower airway, which would be wheezing with or without shortness of breath and cough. GI side effects are very common and can range from nausea and abdominal pain to emesis and diarrhea. Cardiovascular symptoms are rare, but serious signs of an allergic reaction and include hypotension. Patients may experience dizziness and or weakness with or without hypotension. The current standard of care for most food allergic patients is strict avoidance and carrying an emergency pack to treat an allergic reaction. This emergency pack should include an epinephrine auto injector, antihistamines, and an albuterol inhaler for those patients who also have asthma. However, accidental ingestions can occur, and for those patients with multiple food allergies, they are at risk of accidental exposures from more than one culprit food. The risk of accidental exposure is constant and widespread. Avoidance is difficult to achieve and requires the participation of a variety of stakeholders. Everyday life and social events are a potential threat for the food allergic patient. Birthday parties can be a dangerous outing, particularly when children are younger and will eat what is given to them. Friends and family can inadvertently cause harm. There are some reports of well meaning family members insisting a little bite of peanut won't hurt. Social activities where children share snacks without verifying allergens can also lead to accidental exposures. Food labels can be hard to comprehend. Risk can be mistakenly assigned based on precautionary allergen labeling. School can also be another source of exposure. Patients with food allergy and their caregivers experience tremendous anxiety and stress and report poor quality of life. Patients may feel restricted in where they go and or where they live. Due to fear of accidental exposure, caregivers frequently miss work to help manage the safety of the places that their loved ones visit. Therefore, despite recommendations, approximately 50% and 75% of patients have reported accidental ingestion to their allergen within five and 10 years, respectively. Among those with peanut allergy, nearly 50% reported accidental ingestion within two years. There are many avenues that lead to the diagnosis of food allergy. Clinical history of exposure is the most important factor, looking for signs and symptoms of typical ig mediated food allergy. This can be followed by testing via skin prick tests and blood tests looking for specific IgE. If testing is clearly positive, then avoidance is recommended. If testing is intermediary, then an allergist can determine whether an in-office food challenge is recommended. If testing is negative, then food can be safely introduced at home. Immunotherapy strategies aim to balance efficacy, safety, and practicality. The goal of food immunotherapy is to safely protect against reactions due to accidental exposure with minimal disruption to daily life. Currently, there is one FDA-approved therapy for peanut-allergic children aged 4 to 17 years. AR-101 was approved by the FDA in 2020 for use in patients with a confirmed diagnosis of peanut allergy. In the Palisade study, a phase three randomized placebo-controlled trial of almost 500 patients across 10 countries, 67% of participants in the peanut group tolerated a single dose of at least 600 milligrams of peanut protein in the exit double-blind placebo-controlled food challenge compared to 4% in the placebo group. That is roughly the equivalent of two peanuts. Side effects from dosing were common, though mostly mild. And the mainstay of continued protection from an oral immunotherapy approach is regular consumption. Logistics of this administration are challenging. Next, we'll talk about the rationale for blocking IgE-mediated allergic reactions with targeted therapy. Allergen, which in this case is food, is ingested orally. 70% of our immune system lines the GI tract and food is digested and broken down enzymatically and by mechanical digestion. Food proteins are then taken up by APCs, or allergen-presenting cells, and presented to T-cells. In the case of food-allergic patients, Th2 cells propagate the allergic response to food proteins and secrete IL-4 and IL-13. These cytokines act on B-cells to promote class switching to IgE antibodies, which then mount on basophils, which circulates systemically, and mast cells that rest within respective organs. Once IgE on these cells recognize their cognate antigens, these cells are activated to release allergic mediators that propagate the allergic response. Now let's take a closer look at the IgE-mediated allergic reaction to food.
2: IgE-mediated reactions are associated with the rapid onset of symptoms usually within a few minutes to a few hours after the ingestion of the offending food. The food allergens involved in IgE-mediated reactions are typically naturally occurring proteins in foods. After ingestion, the allergen travels to the stomach and beyond. Allergens encounter B-cells within the GI tract, and cytokines change the B-cell into a plasma cell through a process called endocytosis. Plasma cells produce IgE antibodies directed against the specific allergen. These IgE antibodies then migrate to tissues throughout the body and attach to mast cells in various tissues and basophils in the blood. This is called sensitization. Symptoms do not occur in the sensitization phase, but once complete, the body is primed to react on subsequent exposures. When the specific allergenic food is eaten again, the allergen travels to the stomach and beyond. Allergens encounter mast cells and basophils with bound IgE antibodies all over the body. Allergens cross link the two IgE antibodies on the surface of the mast cell or basophil cell, which causes the cells to degranulate, releasing histamine and other mediators, including prostaglandins and leukotrienes. These mediators bind with receptors in various tissues and initiate an allergic response.
1: So, food interacts with the epithelium and activates the first line of defense, which can, in an allergic individual, activate alarmins such as IL-25, IL-33, and TSLP. These then influence type 2 cells, allergic T cells, and propagate the allergic immune response by secreting IL-4 and IL-13. IL-4 and IL-13 are targets where we can intervene with biologics such as dupilumab, IL-4 and IL-13 act on B cells to encourage switching to IgE antibodies. IgE antibodies then bind their cognate receptor FC-epsilon-R1 on mast cells and basophils. And When these IgE antibodies are cross-linked by recognizing food proteins, they induce activation of mast cells and basophils to release leukotrienes, histamines, prostaglandins, and other vasoactive mediators. Palliative medications such as H1, H2 blockers can counteract some of these mediators. Epinephrine works as well to act here and on blood cells and beta and alpha adrenergic receptors in different organs to limit the side effects of the allergic response in the stomach, the heart, the lungs, and the skin. Another potential for biologics is in the anti-IgE pathway, blocking anti-IgE, and then causing downstream consequences of downregulation of FC epsilon R1 and decreased activation of mast cells and basophils. Other potentials where biologics may be of effect are at the anti-alarmine pathway, working as anti-IL-33, anti-IL-25s, and anti-TSLP. Some of these biologics are undergoing investigation in clinical trials in food allergy, either ongoing or planned. The Outmatch study is investigating omelizumab in multi-food allergic individuals with or without multi-food allergy oral immunotherapy. Another study is looking at dupilumab alone or in adjunct with oral immunotherapy in peanut allergic individuals. Another study is looking at the combination approach of omelizumab and dupilumab in multi-food allergic individuals. And another completed study is looking at anti-IL-33 plus or minus oral immunotherapy. Other novel approaches include DNA vaccines and novel allergen immunotherapy approaches. Next, let's take a closer look at the mechanism of action of anti-IgE therapy in the treatment of food allergy.
2: The monoclonal antibody omalizumab binds to the IgE antibody, preventing it from binding to its receptors on mast cells and basophils, and blocking the release of cytokines and mediators from these cells. By decreasing the quantity of IgE antibodies, omalizumab reduces the number of high affinity IgE receptors, further limiting the ability of IgE to bind to its target cells.
1: The first studies of anti-IgE in food allergy were published in the New England Journal in 2003 with TNX-901 in peanut allergic individuals. Those patients who received 450 milligrams of TNX-901 for 14 to 16 weeks had significant increase in their threshold sensitivity to nine peanuts compared to those who received placebo. These results were very promising and led to further studies with anti-IgE biologics. Omalizumab has been studied most frequently in peanut allergic individuals. Studies have shown that omalizumab used as monotherapy or adjunctive therapy to oral immunotherapy can improve the safety and efficacy of the desensitization process. These studies show increased threshold sensitivity at the end of the study for those patients who have gone through omalizumab as monotherapy or in conjunction with oral immunotherapy. Omalizumab as an adjunct to food oral immunotherapy typically involves a pre-treatment period for somewhere between 8 to 16 weeks and then adding oral immunotherapy to one food or multiple foods where the oral immunotherapy is ramped up and escalation occurs under the cover for omalizumab for seven to 20 weeks. And then oral immunotherapy can continue after omalizumab has been stopped. And then double-blind placebo-controlled food challenges are conducted typically as the primary endpoint. Following the primary endpoint food challenges, dietary food maintenance is encouraged to maintain the desensitization effect. There have been a few randomized double-blind placebo-controlled studies looking at omalizumab in conjunction with oral immunotherapy. Wood et al. published a randomized controlled trial looking at milk-allergic individuals who received omalizumab versus placebo plus milk oral immunotherapy. 89% of those in the omalizumab group versus 71% of those in the placebo group passed 10 gram desensitization food challenge at 28 months. At month 32, 16 weeks off of omalizumab and eight weeks off of oral immunotherapy, 48% of those who received omalizumab versus 35% of those who received placebo had sustained unresponsiveness. This study showed that those patients receiving omalizumab had adverse effects in two percent versus sixteen percent of those who received placebo in the escalation phase. McKinney et al. studied peanut in conjunction with omalizumab, where patients were randomized to receive omalizumab versus placebo plus peanut oral immunotherapy. Seventy-nine percent of those who received omalizumab plus peanut oral immunotherapy were able to tolerate two grams of peanut. Six weeks following omalizumab discontinuation, Andrefidal looked at omalizumab in multi-food allergic patients, where patients were randomized to receive omalizumab or placebo plus multi-food oral immunotherapy in a combination approach. At 36 weeks, 30 patients, or 83% of those randomized to omalizumab versus 4% randomized to placebo, tolerated two grams of two or more foods. Patients in the omalizumab group had significantly lower side effects related to oral immunotherapy dosing. Clinical evidence for the use of omalizumab in food allergic patients is compelling. Multiple clinical studies have evaluated the efficacy of omalizumab as monotherapy and in combination with oral immunotherapy for decreasing sensitivity to the food allergens. The results from these studies suggest that omalizumab is potentially effective in treating multi food allergic patients who are allergic to one or more foods. As a monotherapy, omalizumab may increase the threshold dose for inducing allergic symptoms following food exposure. And in conjunction with oral immunotherapy, omalizumab may increase oral immunotherapy efficacy and enable safe and rapid desensitization. However, differing endpoints and oral immunotherapy treatment regimens make cross-study comparisons challenging. I'd like to walk you through the Outmatch study overview. This study is designed to evaluate omelizumab efficacy in three stages. It is a currently active and enrolling phase three randomized control trial occurring across 10 sites in the United States. Stage one is evaluating omalizumab monotherapy versus placebo. The primary objective is to compare the ability to consume foods without dose-limiting symptoms during a double-blind placebo-controlled food challenge after treatment with either omalizumab or placebo for omalizumab. Stage two is designed to evaluate omalizumab-facilitated multi-allergen oral immunotherapy versus omalizumab plus placebo oral immunotherapy. The primary objective for this stage is to compare the ability to consume foods without dose-limiting symptoms during a double-blind placebo-controlled food challenge after treatment with either omalizumab facilitated multi-allergen oral immunotherapy or omalizumab plus placebo multi-allergen oral immunotherapy. Stage three is long-term follow-up, and the objective is to compare the dietary consumption of foods after the conclusion of treatment, with either omalizumab facilitated oral immunotherapy or omalizumab plus placebo oral immunotherapy during a follow-up period in which participants either receive guided dietary instructions with real food equivalents and or rescue oral immunotherapy for up to three foods. The Outmatch study is a multi-center, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial. It involves a screening period where patients age 1 to 55 who are allergic to peanut and at least two other foods inclusive of milk, egg, wheat, cashew, hazelnut or walnut are screened and undergo double blind placebo controlled food challenges to peanut plus two food allergens. They then enter stage 1 where they undergo therapy with either omalizumab monotherapy versus placebo for omalizumab. They are randomized 2 to 1 and we are looking to enroll 225 subjects across 10 sites. They receive therapy for 16 to 20 weeks and then undergo end of stage double blind placebo controlled food challenges. The first 60 patients who complete their stage one food challenges then go into an open label extension program where they receive omalizumab for 24 to 28 weeks and undergo another set of double blind placebo controlled food challenges All other patients who complete the food challenges at the end of stage one will then enter stage two, where they will receive omelizumab plus multi-food allergen oral immunotherapy versus omelizumab plus placebo oral immunotherapy. Patients are randomized one-to-one, and this will look at 165 patients over 60 to 64 weeks. At the end of stage two, they'll then undergo exit food challenges in a double blind placebo controlled food challenge and then enter stage 3 for long term follow up with real food equivalents and or rescue oral immunotherapy. Next I'd like to walk you through a phase 2 randomized placebo controlled study of anti IL33 itokamab, in peanut allergy. This is a study that was conducted at Stanford and Seattle looking at 20 peanut allergic adults who underwent screening food challenges to peanut and placebo, and then received a tokamab infusion on day one or placebo administration. They were then followed mechanistically. And at day 15, they underwent double-blind placebo-controlled food challenges, skin prick tests, and blood tests. And then at day 45, underwent another series of double-blind placebo-controlled food challenges, skin prick tests, and blood tests. Results of the phase two trial of Etocamab showed a significant increase in desensitization to peanut protein after a single IV administration of Etocamab for the active group. Here, I'm showing you that 73% of individuals who received Etocamab were able to tolerate 275 milligrams of peanut at day 15, 57% were able to tolerate 275 milligrams of peanut at day 45. This is compared to 0% in the placebo arms at day 15 and at day 45. This is interesting because this is a single infusion of etocamab without concomitant oral immunotherapy in peanut allergic individuals and has implications potentially as a promising therapy for not only peanut allergy. Dupilumab is also being actively studied in peanut allergic individuals as monotherapy. This clinical trial enrolled 25 participants, and the idea is to study dupilumab as monotherapy without adjunctive oral immunotherapy. The trial is completed, and we're waiting for results. Dupilumab is also being studied in adjunct with AR101 in peanut allergic individuals. This study. Has recruited and enrolled 149 participants. It is a phase two, multi-center, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study looking at the combination approach of dupilumab plus AR101. The clinical implications of targeted therapy for IgE-mediated food allergies is promising. Some of these biologics that improve safety from accidental ingestion for food allergic patients have the benefit of being antigen non-specific and broadly applicable for patients across the globe. However, mode of delivery, access within healthcare systems, ideal food allergy candidates for biologics are all areas that require further exploration. In conclusion, food allergies are a growing public health issue that cause significant impairment in quality of life and economic burden. Current guidelines recommend dietary avoidance of the food allergens with administration of emergency medications in case of accidental exposure. But the risk of accidental exposure is constant and widespread. There is a critical need for diagnostic and prognostic markers to eliminate or attenuate the need for food challenges. Biomarkers from blood may help identify the successful phenotype for these types of approaches. The first FDA-approved oral immunotherapy for peanut-allergic children is now available, but does have some challenges and limitations. Oral immunotherapy is efficacious, but durability of response requires regular therapy to maintain the desensitization for most, and the optimal maintenance dose and frequency is unknown. Ongoing trials of biologic therapy show promise and potential to safely and rapidly desensitize patients with severe food allergies oral immunotherapy with adjuvant biologics can improve the safety and speed of single or multi-oral immunotherapy. Improved efficacy is perhaps driven by the ability to tolerate higher doses at earlier time points and lower side effects to improve compliance. Long-term data is needed to assess the durability of any of these approaches. I hope you found the activity informative and useful to your practice. Thank you very much for participating.
0: This activity is accredited by Medical Learning Institute Incorporated. This activity is developed with our educational partner, PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post test for instant credit at Peerview.com forward slash KHE860. This activity is supported by educational grants from Genentech, a member of the Roche Group, and Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.